With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the weekend. Neil Atkinson with Andy Heaton. I've also got Paul Hogan. I've got Ranhild Anais. And I have Dan Morgan all to join us to go through. An exciting weekend's action. We're going to be chatting about the Champions League draw, obviously, as you would expect. Uh, that is to come. We're also going to be talking uh, loads and loads of stuff about Liverpool's women. Uh, that is coming uh, up as well. Um, loads and loads on that, as Andy and Lizzie went to the day on Tuesday that they had there, which was fabulous. Uh, also, we're obviously going to look ahead to Burnley, and we've got Ryan Lowe uh, talking about Betty with Andy Heaton. Um, but we will start with the Champions League draw reaction and Ranhild. You can't be complacent about these things. Napoli won't be straightforward. Um, it's not quite as ridiculously easy as the Manchester City draw, but you can't ask for much more in terms of the way in which that draw's broken down and the way the fixtures have gone for Liverpool. No, we're dancing, aren't we? Um, the only one I'm not happy about, you mentioned, is Napoli, but that's also from a Hotel Tia point of view. The Napoli fans are not, you know, the most <laughs> joyful, friendliest, happy, easygoing bunch of guys so some extra security coming up there uh, other than that looks great doesn't it it i mean it does it does run hill i think that that's the you know as i say you can't be complacent they, they're all football matches that need winning salzburg will be high tempo they'll be aggressive they'll be fast they gave real madrid a good game i was told uh, hello kevin uh, a couple of seasons ago they're not going to be they're not going to be pushovers but but no, you mean, can't ask for much more. Yeah, not, nothing's a pushover, is there, in, in tournaments like that. But Salzburg has never been uh, out of the group league, like uh, group stages. Um, Genk is not having the best season. I think they're only in sixth position at the moment in Belgium. So that's not super impressive. But yeah, it will be fun fun trips to go and uh, have a little look at these uh, cities. Salzburg will be a fun trip, Andy. Well, from someone whose bloodline traces back to Napoli, I've got no idea what Rangel's talking <laughs> about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the thing that stood out for me, if you, you wouldn't have cherry-picked that group, but as the cards fell, you, you know, you're more than happy with it. More than anything, apart from the teams itself, Napoli aside, is the distance that Liverpool need to travel. Could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, I don't think there's enough made of results after Champions League victories, especially ones on the road, even to like trips like back in the day, traps on sport or teams in Turkey, etc, etc. And I know we've done really well last year off the back of Champions League fixtures. And I think a lot of them, we were lucky to be at home after a fair proportion of them. Uh, draw itself Salzburg, so looking forward to it. Uh, that's one I'm definitely, definitely going to. Um, it's, I mean, it's a new team. I don't think we've played, well, we haven't played them, have we? Um, and, you know, Aust- Austria's boss and that. And Henk, I think it was pronounced Henk in the draw, wasn't it? Is it Henk? I'm, I'm happy to be corrected. Draw, I, I don't, well, after the Cantona thing, to be honest, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure of anything in my life anymore. Je ne sais pas. It goes on. I mean, the draw goes on. It's remarkable. I mean, we say this every year, so we, we should, we're probably almost as boring as the draw, but you forget about it and then it slaps back in like, oh God. Not just that. I, I was I was looking at the UEFA website around it and the pomp and ceremony around it. It's like they, they invite all these dignitaries from around Europe. It's like a Ferrero Rocher do. There's like massive scale... A European hundred foot, well, hundred thirty foot European cups outside the building. You're thinking, well, what's the? Is it is it like an obligation? Is it like an hour's TV they've got to fill? And it's always that same guy hosting it, and you're like, it's very, it's very Eurovision. 
And they're yeah. all a hundred years it, old men inside. It almost, almost, almost made me kind of for half a second. No, it did. I was going to say made me understand the, the desire to leave the European Union, but it didn't. So there we are. Um, Paul, next thing on this isn't just the trips. It is also the idea of of when these games fall. You know, the, the, the Liverpool may well feel like they're maybe not so happy with Newcastle Saturday, Napoli Tuesday, Chelsea Sunday, although there is a fair bit of, of a break there. And what you might see is a slightly weakened Liverpool side coming back from that game for Newcastle and then what was closer to the first 11 for the next two. They will be absolutely overjoyed. They've got Genk on the Tuesday before Manchester City at the following weekend. That is one that, from a Liverpool point of view, you know, Genk at home, going into Manchester City at home, you know, I always wonder how this happens. Is this negotiated? Is it drawn? It's not very public. I reckon if if it is negotiated, Liverpool have negotiated very well. Yeah, it seems to take ages for the the fixtures to come out as well, doesn't it? It's it's a bit bizarre, but I, I mean, I think think everything around the draw has come come out trumps for Liverpool. You know, you 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 would expect us to go through. You would expect us not to do to do much too much damage to our league position, um, and 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 our league focus. Um, interesting. Some of Klopp's comments. He sort of tried to take the pressure away from the Champions League in terms of some of the things he said. Um, you know, it's a big ask getting there three times in a row, that kind of stuff. Um, but no, I'm, I'm I'm reasonably confident. I was nearly going to Ghent rather than Genk, so uh, <laughs> anyone who's booked Ghent, they'll have a lovely time, but they probably won't see the match. Um, and I'm dead interested in Salzburg and, and the whole Red Bull thing, and I've read a fair bit about it, and it just, it just seems really interesting what they did, you know, the whole putting on the website when they signed, uh, when they bought the club, that uh, this is a new club, and it's got no history, uh, so it's new history and all this type of stuff. It's really interesting stuff, I think, around them. Are, it, they, are they actually allowed to be called Red Bull in Austria? Because I know it's the rotten bullion, isn't it? Yeah, I think, it's, I, think they, I think they might be all right with Red Bull Salzburg, but it's got to be RB. Leipzig is, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that's the way in which it works. Uh, Jesse Marsh is interesting, isn't he? Uh, you don't had a little look into him yet. The Salzburg coach, originally American, uh, not had the opportunity. Anyone? Uh, very very interesting. Well, well, originally as 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 was a midfielder in Ch- MLS. Changed, changed his mind. You got know. It, yeah, got it sorted out. Uh, stepped away. No, no, no. He's managed. He's managed the US. Um, he's been part of the US national setup. He was an assistant there. He was an assistant at Leipzig. He managed New York Red Bulls, and now he finds himself at Salzburg. Uh, I said before they played a couple of years ago against Real. It wasn't. It was a few weeks ago. Uh, um, they, to me, they are the they're the live sides, Dan. You know what I mean. They are seed three. You know exactly what to expect from Napoli. I don't think we're expecting anything remarkable from 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 Genk. It might be a tough, hotly contested game. Salzburg are the ones. You know, it's worth pointing out the players who Liverpool have now who have played for them before, which suggests they're a place where good young players go. Yeah, it's it's probably also worth pointing out that Liverpool falters away to Red Star last year so you know these games aren't beyond them in any way shape or form we weren't great in the groups last year to be fair um, but it's one that has a bit of mystique about it a bit of the unknown and it looks lovely actually uh, Salzburg is a place looks absolutely lovely to go to and, and I'm sure it'll be a lovely away for everyone uh, I agree with what everyone said earlier on the table the fixtures fall great for us when they fall um, it's just a shame I think City have got Zagreb at home before we play them a trip away would have been all right, um, if possible. But we can't. They have they've got, they have got away. They've got Atalanta away. Atalanta away. Atalanta away before, before the players. Us. Yeah, all oh, right. Be misinformed. Well, that'll do us. Um, if we're at home, every little helps, as they say. So we've got to put all of this into context. If it's a long season, I'll be staggered if Liverpool don't get to the last eight of the Champions League. Um, and what coincides usually with Liverpool around that time is that they pick up momentum again after the usually have a bit of a dip around February, March, but 
and it's possible from that point in. I, th- I think the Red Star game is both a cautionary tale and a loosener for Liverpool last year because I think it proved to the squad that you can't go in presuming you're going to win. Um, and, I, and I think sometimes you get caught cold, it's hard to get going. Um, the thing that stuck out, I, I always generally, with Liverpool, I'll have a little look at the odds to see what to see what the bookies make because they're, they're not normally wrong. We were 20-1 to 1 to beat Red Star. Again, we're 21-1 to 1 on to be Red Star, which is exactly the same odds as what we were to get past Barcelona and qualify later in the tournament. No, you know, you know, you just little things yeah. stick out. And you can't take these things for granted. I mean, who would have thought I actually so got so close to the final last year, didn't even qualify this year. It's um I think the biggest mistake you make is just presume you're gonna get results because mm. as as we saw, you know, we had to take it to the wire against against Napoli. Now I'm not saying for one second that we haven't strengthened and expect us to get past every team in the group. But I think you can fall into the trap sometimes of banking results. So you kind of you might be drawing nil nil, but Napoli with five to go away or at home, and think oh well, it's fine because if we beat like uh, Leipzig home and away or or Genk or Henk, whatever you want to call them, we'll be fine. You can't fall into that trap. I think you can get really get stuck in that sometimes. I had a little look at Salzburg and they've they've played five games in their league this season. I think they scored over twenty odd goals in them five games. Won. Yeah. two or three of the games by five, seven yeah. um, and they lost their centre forward in the summer and from what I've sort of looked at I'm not saying I know any of the names of the players he went to Seville and he scored like 37 goals and they haven't really replaced them neither and yet they're still scoring that kind of goals and I don't think they've conceded many but look, so, look, look at the players that have come through there look at the players who've come through oh yeah it's unreal Sadio there Navigator yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough. It's also worth pointing out that this fellow who's now the manager, his previous manager, has gone to has gone to Borussia Mönchengladbach, which suggests he's you know that he's hotly tipped and they feel as though he's doing well. Looking at the other sides, Ranhild should be straightforward-ish for um, for City. Obviously, well, very straightforward for City. You'd be surprised if it wasn't. Tottenham with a, with Bayern, admittedly, but Olympiacos and then Red Star. We know Red Star could shake them up a little bit, but Chelsea, Ajax, Valencia, uh, and Lille in there. They you do sort of. Do think that that might be one which which could be a bit sticky for Chelsea? Yeah, I think Chelsea's got the toughest group out of the English teams by far. Uh, City should be cruising; they they got the, definitely the easiest group, if you ask me. Tottenham looks fairly okay, I think, but yeah, Chelsea will have a little a little challenge, I think, and they haven't started off super well this season, so we'll just see how they battle through. It's worth pointing out, Dan. You know, when we are talking about the way in which the fixtures break down, that Chelsea. We'll have a Champions League game uh, immediately before we play them. As much as we can talk about our one, they are at home to Valencia uh, on the seventeenth, so they'll they'll find themselves in a little bit of a, a situation there. Really, you know, that is the priority game for them that weekend is 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 going to be the Valencia match rather than the one against us. You would have thought. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he manoeuvres his squad, Lampard, um, and where his priorities lie. Obviously, he's got the the transfer ban, and he's he's investing a lot in youth, so. Where is his Champions League priorities then fall? I'm not too sure. I think he might just see see it as a bit of a bonus and see where we go, kind of thing. And then if they, they can ride a bit of a, a bit of a wave with it, see how they go after the groups. But lovely gang of aways in that group, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, lovely, lovely gang of city breaks. All I was really, really envious of those. That, that, that was the group I wanted. I mean, for loads of reasons. I mean, I, 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 one of them being I've got about eight places to stay in Valencia as we got them, but we'll have to save that one. So the next week. Can we talk about group F, group F then quick? Go on. Barcelona, Borussia Dortmund, into Milan, Slavia, Prague. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what the odds are on Barcelona not qualifying because their away record in Europe isn't great. And Inter have had the resurgence under Conte and we all know what Dortmund can do. 
And I, I mean, it did make me laugh. Did you see the uh, the Slavia Prague directors oh, when the, when the name came out? That <laughs> yeah, I've seen the video. It's just, brilliant. So he laughs, so funny. Just laughs and shakes his head. Both of them just like yeah, like it, they're it's a part of the Muppet do. Show. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, who do you think is going to get out of it? If you had to, if you had to name it now, who's qualified from Group F? I think I play the percentages and just go with the seeds. I think that Inter will make it really, really hard. But I think Inter are more likely to have a slip up against Slavia Prague home and away. Whereas I think that the I think Dortmunds and, and Barcelona know the ropes. I think so much of this comes down to the experience of having done it before. That's one of the reasons why we're so fortunate. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you look at Chelsea then on that score if he doesn't start peddling out the likes as you do in the in the group. Games. That's right, Pedro. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can almost I can well imagine Jorginho. I can almost imagine he'll have Brilliant. he'll have a. He'll use a lot of his younger his younger players in the in the, yeah. in the domestics and go yeah. from there. Uh, other one, other draw I wanted to talk about was Milton Keynes um, away in the in the, in the in the Carabao Cup. Paul, it's one where you again, it's at least an opportunity. I think last season with Chelsea at home, it's an opportunity to play some fringe players. It's an opportunity to play some younger players and not have to necessarily fear for them. Um, and may well be an opportunity to progress, which is what those players need Liverpool to do in the competition. Definitely. It's a nice draw for us, isn't it, for the first time in a while. Um, I'd like to see some of these, young, you know, and I think they will give some of the young lads a chance, but I think I heard someone else talking about it the other day. I'd like to see them as part of a, a setup with a lot of first team Squad players at least in there rather than just a load of. Kids I think I think you'd only want to personally. I think you'd only want to do maybe four younger players. There's the hot four at the moment. There's there's Vandenberg, Hoover, uh, Brewster, and maybe Curtis Jones. And apart from that, being really honest with you, Paul, I would want to then be padding that out, Milner to captain aside, etc., etc. That's what I'd like to see. That I, and I think that's what everyone would like to see because I think in the past we've put too many in and it it, it just hasn't worked. It's not. It it doesn't prove anything. It's just a, a gang of lads who are playing under-23 football, having to step up a level and not having the good lads around them. And I think we've done that too many times in the past. So I, I, I think you're right. Um, it'd be nice to see, it'd be nice to see Brewster. Um, I think Curtis Jones has, has done enough to be given an opportunity. So, yeah, I, I, I'm quite excited about watching that team, to be honest. I think and what that, that might though, like. there's not much room for anyone else. There's probably a first-team players who need a game. Who aren't playing. Yeah, that's who aren't playing. So, you know, you look at Alexis Shaqiri, Lovren, and everyone who's filling the bench every week, Oxlade Chamberlain, you'd expect that like, he's coming on every week, you'd expect him to get a game in there just to get 90 minutes under him. So there's probably two or three gaps in the, in the 11. I totally agree with you there, actually. Because it must be frustrating to just sit there week in, week out while this, this same team is gelling up, which is great for us because we're winning games, but it's, it's a bit vulnerable when one of those uh, top 11 uh, goes injured. So, yeah, totally agree. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really... Okay. Um, it's nice to see the young lads, though, Andy. Is what no, I'm no, it, no, it is what I'm. I, I, in so much as that, I just want to. My primary focus in this is that none of our big lads get get gets injured. What I do agree was is that we have made the mistake of throwing out a totally mad eleven that's never played before, and, and that that's kind of bitten us. So yeah, no, so I, 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 I agree with what everyone's saying. I, I play a couple of the big lads, a couple of the lads who first teamers who need who need minutes. Um, Minutes in the legs, if just for sharpness, and then yeah, a couple of the, couple of the kids and see how they get on. But as a competition and, and Milton Keynes in general, sorry if you live down there, it, it just doesn't. I'm, I'm not really not that asked. We're not eager to pop down. I think that is fair to say. Uh, the same night, Liverpool, I think, are playing Accrington in the um, in the Checker Trade Trophy. Well, exactly. Uh, and you know what I mean. Uh, let's just let's just let's just compare and contrast. They're not, they're not filming Superman Four in Accrington, are they? That's <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, we'll be back in a little while. Coming up, uh, we've got Ryan Low. Uh, we've got Liverpool women. Uh, we'll be back to chat about Burnley. And I'm joined now on the line by uh, former Berry striker and Berry manager Ryan Low, uh, just to talk about the current situation. 
up a gig lane. Uh, well, I say current situation, the terrible situation currently uh, going on in Berry. Um, and Ryan, being a, um, obviously you've got a long history with the club, and you know you made a couple of comments on social media about the situation that they found themselves in, which 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 is a terrible shame. Yeah, it is, and it, it's shocking, mate. It should never happen. Know what I mean? That the, the money in football nowadays, they, they shouldn't get to this a, a club from years and years old and good good um, history behind it and two FA Cups and it should never happen mate it's obviously happened for a reason uh, very disappointed you know being being heartbroken the last few days regarding it uh, I, th- I think now obviously it's certainly not going to get overturned I know there was a, a potential buyer who wanted to step in there and step in there and, and, and try and change the you know DFL decision I don't think that's going to happen but certainly isn't because it's now out there that's not I just hope for, for, for Berry's sake he can go and reform and he can whether it's called 80 and 85 Berry or AFC Berry whatever it is you know they're going to have the fans hopefully they can get the stadium to back it up with and look they can do a Salford or a Chester yes Salford had a lot of money but who, who, who can't come into Berry with a lot of money and do the same AFC Wimbledon have done it uh, and I'm just pushing down that now some positives out of it is come on let's go and form a team now and get in the you know the Unibond first division whatever it is they can get in and get back into the league football in the near future. I mean, without go, I mean, we'll get into into the detail of what's been going on in a minute. But you just mentioned there that the, the breaking news about the EFL's turned down the opportunity to reverse the decision. And do, 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 do you think there's an element of? I'm not. We all know what's happened, and we all know who's to blame. And I'm one thing, but do you not think there's elements of the EFL cutting the nose off to spite the face a little bit in this? Listen, it's hard, isn't it? Because they've got a job to do. You know, I don't, what I don't want to do is bad, is bad mouth anyone. You know what I mean? It, it's hard, but the circumstances are tough. You know, I, I listened to the interviews of the DFL. It's a tough. They've got a tough gig. They've got a tough job. It's not easy. You know what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure every other football club's fine with it. And listen, I would have loved them to overturn it because listen, very two and two as we spoke about. But it's tough circumstances. They have to make a decision and. You know, I just wish someone to come forward a few days or a couple of weeks earlier rather than the last minute dot com type of thing. But again, look, it's it's out of everyone's hands, isn't it? The FL have to do a job what they feel best. You know, it's unfortunate for Berry, which are absolutely gutted about that. You know, they can't overturn it. And, you know, they'd have to go through all the rigmarole again of making sure that the fit and proper person test new owners and whatever else. It's it's not easy. So I simply listen, I sympathise with Berry first and foremost for everything, but I also sympathise with decisions that have to be made. It's wrong. Yeah, and uh, it also seems to be, I, I mean, we talk about this with the EFL and the governance and one thing, and not to, not to get into it too much, but it it seems to be a bit of a wake-up call for everyone. And, uh, you know, if if, any, if we're going to grasp any silver linings in this, maybe this is the wake-up call they need to to kind of correct the governance of the Football League and what's allowed. And, you know, the, so there's clearly defined rules of what you can do, what you can't do, and also measures to put in place to protect clubs from getting in a situation in the first place. Yeah, listen, I, th- I think now, I think it's hit everyone hard, listen, you know, it's hit very hard than most because of the circumstances, but it'll have hit everyone hard. People will be looking out, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I've got to be careful with this. And yeah, listen, when things like this happen, it, it, you know, it makes everyone stronger. I'm just close to that, it's happened to Berry first and foremost, and, and, you know, I don't want to wish it to happen to anyone, but it's happened to someone who's close to my heart. That makes it even harder. Um, so I, I would have thought now, Whoever takes control of all matters, I'm sure that there's going to be the, the, the biggest due diligence into it, whether it should have been before or not, is irrelevant. I think at the moment now is they've just got to make sure that this doesn't happen to any other club up and down the country. No, absolutely. And I, I mean, we talk about Berry. I mean, I, I, I remember one of my first ever games in a previous life when I had the proper job was covering a game up at Berry, a game you scored in, I think. 
And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the thing that struck me, and I'm not just saying this from talking to yourself on the phone, but the, the the history of the place, it felt like a proper football club. You know, sometimes you go, I'm not slagging any other clubs off, but you know, sometimes you go there, yeah. these these identical stadiums and, you know, on, on car, on like on, on superstore super car parks and one thing and the other. When you walked up to Gig Lane, it did feel like it had been there for 130, nearly 130 years. Yeah, yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean that in the nicest well, possible it, sense. Yeah, no, it is. It's got that old heritage type to it, hasn't it? You know, the, the, the ticket office over the other side, used to have walls around the car park. And Listen, it, it is, and it's, that, that's what's sad about, you know, the, the new generation, the old generation. It, 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 it's, it's proper sad, and, and that's why I say now it, it's heartbreaking. And look, words can't describe what the fans are feeling. You know, words can't describe what the older generation of feeling, the young generation, you know, the mid-generation, everyone associated with the football club. I, I can't describe how they're feeling at this moment in time. You know, it knocked me for six Tuesday night when I come out and then, you know, I got a little bit off my chest yesterday and, and, and like I said today, but again, I just I just don't know how they're handling it. You know, all you can say, any positives on it, is let's get, a feet, get it reformed ASAP and let them start climbing up the league, leagues um, pretty quickly because I think once we start doing that, the quicker you do that, the quicker you get back into action. What What I wanted to ask you as, as well, Ryan, was, I mean, it, it, there's been a load of talking heads everywhere you turn, someone's got an opinion on it. And as someone yeah. who's, who's, who's been an employee of the club, who's, who's it, part of the fabric of Berry almost, well, he's part of the fabric of Berry in that town, and, and also as a, as a footballer who's come up through the ranks, I've seen there's been a little bit of snootishness about the um, the interview on TalkSport last week when they were saying the PFA was subsidising the wages, and there's, there's this attitude or perception to a little bit that oh even footballers you know if you're a professional footballer you're automatically this millionaire who doesn't need paying yeah when actually at that level that it couldn't be further from the truth further from the truth mate listen footballers at our level you know listen we, we still call it a job you know we have been forced enough to play for some good clubs and and you know you know be at the level of you, you, if i was to retire tomorrow i'd have to go to work you know and a lot of footballers do the same uh, up and down the country, it's not life changing. It's a comfortable life, you know. It's how you how you bank it and how you save it and how you invest it. The big one, but look again until you get to the top end of League One, maybe Championship and Premier League, you, you're not earning millions and millions of pounds. You're far from it. And and, and I'm sympathised with the lot who you know potentially may lose their houses, the cars, couldn't pay the mortgages, couldn't pay the insurance on the cars, have no money for petrol. That that's just what it is. It's it, it's a shame, and that's that's what. You know, people are saying, oh, the footballs, they've got this, they've got that. No, they haven't. They're far from the truth, as you've said. Yeah. No, and, and, and the, 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 I mean, and also the other, the other side of that is that, you know, the, 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 it's very easy to label football as a nursery, similar to what's been going on at Bolton. But as you said, the, you've got to, at the end of the day, family, family does come first. And also, you know, clubs are quick to get rid when they don't want to, and when it's convenient for them. And as you said, it's not like the, 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 these fellas are set for life. I mean, you I've actually personally, from what very little I've seen, got a lot of sympathy. And I think they've actually shown a little bit too much loyalty at times. Yeah, listen, it, it, you know, sometimes you can see, you know, the lads who've stayed there in the circumstances, you know, they've decided to be loyal and, you know, stay there because of the circumstances, they're contacted there, and there's no other clubs available for them. Sometimes that happens. Uh, loyalty in football is, is the much of it. I don't think there is to the top to the bottom. But unfortunately, that's the business. You know, people have, have showed me stuff on social media of that, like, you know, if every 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 Premier League club put um, 250 grand in, uh, of you know, whatever, it'd be a certain amount of money, or so 25,000 pounds, it'd help clubs get out of, you know, embargoes and get out of... But the, the, the big clubs can't just keep to be seen to be doing that. 
I think what's got to happen is clubs up and down the country have just got to be run first and foremost properly. And I think once that happens, then you're fine. But will the will the quality of the levels go down? Certainly will, yeah. But that's just the way it is. I think you know you you always see, don't you, over the years, Premiership footballers or it being Premiership footballers dropping down the leagues. Listen, you could arguably say they're dropping down the leagues to keep picking monies up. Well, no, it's not the case. They might not have earned that much money over the years, or they might love it, or they might not be earning big money. So I think it's a catch-22 in terms of, you know, from from the top to the bottom, there's there's a big gulf in it, you know? So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I was thinking, I was considering asking it, but since you brought up, you talk about this suggestion that Man United or Man City should, should bail, and I don't call it what it is, bail Berry out. You know, why should it be... What does that say for the rest of the league and clubs? You say like a well-run. I mean, Accrington Stanley, for example. You know, why why should it be fair on Accrington Stanley that you know saying other clubs can get in a mess and then because they they they've got close ties to or are close to a Liverpool or a Man United or an Everton, you know they 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 can suddenly run into this trouble and then get rescued, whereas other clubs are just expected to just you know get on with it. Well, that's that's the thing, mate. If if, if you come out and help you. Well, big clubs then every club's going to want an auntie now look I don't want to get into the detail of how they've got there but in terms of you know Macclesfield was struggling to, to pay their wages their players no one went out and helped them they had to help themselves now whether that's lack of whether that's lack of um, you know money's coming through their gates or what it probably is you know it's just unfortunate that they get money from the EFL they get money from the FA and the, the, the drop downs and all stuff like that I just think you've got to manage it a bit better no, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, but that being that being said, I'd said that, and, and thank you again for talking to us. You know, it's it's still a, a, a terrible situation, as you said. Hopefully, you know, and it's easily forgot that Berry is much the community than it is the actual football club. And hopefully, you know, there's yeah. a resolution to this where they manage to hold on to the ground. I know, I know the council are talking about they won't allow a development on it, and that's a positive step. But just getting yeah. on top of this situation, getting the mortgage or whatever it is cleared off. And, and as you said, if you've got to start from ground zero, like, you know, so so be it. But maybe this time, with because of what's happened before, maybe in five, six, seven years' time, where they're back where they, you know, where they are now, it'll be more of a community-owned community asset. And, you know, it'll feel even more part of Berry than it ever did. Yeah, it will, because the clubs will, you know, did. Listen, it's like anything, isn't it? When when something goes wrong, he try and make sure it doesn't go wrong again. And I think that's what Berry, the positive side for me, and on it. And I think the positive fans I've spoke to have, right, let's get it get it reformed, a Phoenix club ASAP. And then you know what? In three or four years' time, people can just talk about it, but not dwell on it because they could be better off financially, secure might be. They might build a new. Anything can happen in in a small space of time. You might get a wealthy millionaire who comes in and goes, you know, I'm going to back you, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that. It's easily done. So for all the negatives out of it, which absolutely distraught and fans that are not going to be going to games and everything else, quickly pick up the positive side of things and go, well, do you know what? Look, where that finger's burnt, let's not get it done again. And then move on quickly. Great stuff there from Andy and Ryan. Uh, really hope that the Betty thing gets sorted out, obviously. Uh, earlier this week, there was a media day for Liverpool women uh, looking ahead to the new season. Lizzie Doyle was there and it started off with her chatting to Vicky Jepson, the Liverpool women's manager. I'm now alongside uh, manager Vicky Jepson. Vicky, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you've been coaching at Liverpool for about 10 years now. Um, you had your first season as manager last year, but now you've finally got your hands on a full pre-season. How has that been for you? How, how much is, do you think the pre-season will, will benefit the start of this season You know, to get you kick-started? 
think, um, well, one, I was re I'm really excited anyway to, to start off my first full pre-season. Um, the big thing before the girls even came back was making sure that we built the right culture. Um, I'm quite a positive person. The glass, the glass is always half full as much as I can make it half full. Um, so we wanted to make sure that the culture was right, the environment was right. And to do that, if you can look around the training ground, a lot of the things are blue. So we needed to make sure we had our own identity. So that you've seen the changing rooms on social media. They're red, that you never walk alone. Yeah. Uh, that crest everywhere that they've all got their own name badges and stuff so we wanted to make sure they walk in that they walk in and it feels like home so that was just the the, the finer things the smaller things that, that we wanted to do um next i needed to make sure i found another good leader in the changing rooms so Nifahi was my vice captain who i chose who i thought she's a, a lifelong liverpool fan uh she's really really positive uh, she, she's got good banter as well with the youngsters and, and everybody likes her because she's fun but she's really passionate on the pitch so if you're not doing your job she'll she'll get at you and tell you so um, with her and Sophie um, being the voices in the dressing room when I'm not there was important and then making sure that we plan our pre-season and the big challenge was, was getting pre-season tour signed off which we managed to do going out to the States so that was a, a step in the right direction that, that we needed to do as a club travelling with Klopp and the men on their private jet so it's been great to be honest it's been hard work but it's been great and I feel like we're working in the right direction that's really interesting what you've just said there about the culture and the little things that you want to bring to to the side because I think people see pre-season as just physical fitness but what you're doing is trying to implement an environment which is um if I don't know our listeners and subscribers are comparing it to the men's game what Klopp's doing um I'm not saying that you're necessarily mirror and clap but in terms of the environment that you want to create for these players you want them all to be on the same level and it's a fairly new team as well it is um we well we've added three new players to it um but some of the players that have you know have only had a year at the club um but for me so we've got some younger ones that have been here since they were eight but for me it's it's about creating that football family and it's okay saying we're, we're one club we're a football family together but saying it and actually being it is yeah. two different things and to be really close together and be a tight unit and be a football family, we've got to make sure the, the culture and the environment complement that. Um, and the little things like making sure that, that the changing rooms are right for the girls and that we do have our own identity. There's lots of other things we could do better, which we'll work on. We've got some exciting things happening tomorrow with the men's first team, which I can't say. Andy will <laughs> shout at me. But um, no, we've got lots going on here and we're going to keep pushing in the right direction to be more um, of an integral part of the of the LFCW family. Um but in terms of our work on the grass, we've we've worked so hard on and off the field. We've going to the Marines. Yeah. That took us out of our comfort zone and everybody did that. And going back to our culture about being together, I said to all the backroom staff that I wanted everybody to do it. So that was important. Did you take part? I did. And do you know what? It absolutely <laughs> killed me. I could, yeah, it did. I was nearly sick at one point because it took me to that level where you're trying to carry things and you've got a big rucksack on your back. And But I was dead good at the shooting though. I was really good at the shooting. So I said to the girls, you want to be careful? <laughs> no, no, it was really good. It took us all out of our comfort zone and lack of sleep, lack of food, up at early hours of the morning, running with big boots on your feet and backpacks and so on and so on. It's taken us away from the one thing we have in common, which is football, which yeah. was a real good experience for us. And how was the pre-season for, for the girls over in America? Obviously, um, you've probably spoke today a lot about the, the Women's World Cup and how, you know, how amazing that was for the sport. You've gone over to America where, you know, they, they really do put women's football on a pedestal and, and we've seen it with their national team. Women are actually finally being treated as athletes now. Um, how did they find going over to America with the men's team being, you know, treated the same and put on the same level and having a competitive pre-season over there, not just going to watch? Yeah, I think um, it was quite funny because it's the first time we've ever travelled with security. Um, <laughs> and and I, I was like, do we really need security? We're, we're the women's team, but... 
do you know what? When we got off coaches in Boston, we had a big red coach, our own labelled LFCW coach. We were literally swamped by fans. Like there were people chanting. I remember us walking out on the pitch at uh, Notre Dame Stadium. And uh, people were, I know they were chanting Liverpool ladies, they were going wild, even though we're Liverpool women now, but they were, the crowd were chanting as we were walking out onto the pitch and we've never had that before. Um, it just shows the level that the USA are at in terms of supporting the women's game. So hopefully now off the back of the Women's World Cup, we'll start to inspire more people to come down and watch the Women's Super League fixtures. Yeah, it's really important to, to carry that on, like you've just said. Um, the first game is in two weeks' time. Um, it's an international break uh, for the men's team. Um, so there's there's no Premier League football on. So for, for people who go and watch Liverpool uh, at home at Anfield, this is an amazing opportunity to come, come down and see you know what Liverpool women are all about and that actually it's just a game of footy just like anything else at the end of the day we still wear the badge so I think uh, if you're a red get down and watch us on the 8th 8th of September against Reading because uh, we want to see as many reds there as possible and how are you feeling for the start of the season and like you said it's your first full season as manager you've brought in a couple of new players um what are you sort of hoping for this season um I know you finished eighth last year What's, what's the aims? Where, where are you hoping to sort of be? What's, you know, what are your thoughts? I think um, eighth last year was probably a fair result, really, in terms of everything that we went through and the injuries and things that we faced that we couldn't control. Um, so, so to be fair, that was probably an OK finish. Um, this year, we've got no excuses. Um, we've got more competition in the squad as well. Um, so we have to make sure that the players that are in the starting 11, that are, that are consistent, um, otherwise we've got players on the bench that will be wearing to come, raring to come on to, to take that shirt um, we, we've got to be finishing higher than 8th and hopefully we can go on a good cup run When you were talking just before on um, the team spirit I'm really intrigued as to what I really like about the women's side that they all live together yeah. in the same space um, now that is so fascinating to sort of for the team bonding and like what does that do for them to all live together and and do they choose who they share with um I don't know I just think I just find it really quite interesting that they all live in in the same space and they probably really get to know each other no it is it's great not all of them live together um some of them are more local so that they don't need to but but yeah they've they've got apartments and they share in twos um I have been involved in some of the processes in selecting certain people to live with each other um so but then there are two other players that, that want to be with certain player yeah, yeah. and that's fine um so you know it's it's good because you can see those little relations I think the, the top one this season is Rinzola and, and Lee Robe <laughs> they're perfect because I think Roby's been like Rinz's mom and I think Rinz was singing early hours of the morning Roby had to have words of her so it is good to see the stories that, that happen there but I think um we've got some fantastic relationships come from from them living together yeah and do you see that on the pitch yeah you do you do um it is good to see. It's a, there's no negativity around the squad. Um, and if there was any, um, then we would nip it out the bug straight away. So it's good to see that we do have those high spirits in the squad. So we want to see a big crowd. We want to see a big crowd down there on Sunday. Uh, so Sunday, the 8th, 2 o'clock kickoff, yep. Prenton Park. Um, all of our listeners, all our subscribers will know Prenton Park. Um, I'm guessing in the future, we'd like to see a game at Anfield at some point, wouldn't we? We would. Uh, we've played there before against Arsenal many years ago and it was a great turnout. But don't write it off for this season because we are having talks. We've just got to make sure that it's the right fixture, it's the right uh, time of the year to play it. Um, but just watch this space on that one. And keep an eye on it. So keep an eye on it. Season tickets are 70 quid for a family of four, adults 35 quid, kids are 25 quid. Bring your young lads, bring your young girls. Um, 
and just come and enjoy the football and you'll even get to meet uh, the players and the manager afterwards absolutely one thing that we say to the players is that they have to come and greet fans afterwards so you will if you do stick around they'll come and sign autographs and have pictures with you good luck for the start thank you very much cheers and I'm now joined by new signing, uh, Becky Jane. Becky, how excited for you uh, for the start of the season? Yeah, I'm really excited. Counting down the days now. So obviously pre-season's gone really well. Um, and the game's slowly creeping, us, uh, creeping up on us, sorry. So it's against Redden. Used to play for Redden. Um, how are you feeling about that, like coming up against your old team? Yeah, I'm excited. The nerves are slowly getting there. Um, I was there for eight years, so it's, it's going to be a bit of a weird one. Um, but I like to think it's, it's going to be a good game. And if you if you score, will you celebrate? That's the, that's, <laughs> Ooh, the that's a good question. <laughs> Ooh. I think you might have to think about that. Yeah, it depends on the, the, the meaning of the goal as well, I and guess. And the vibe. Yeah, the I vibe. Suppose. Yeah, the vibe's a good one. Um I just wanted to quickly get so you've just said that you play for Redden for, for eight years. You're a WSL pro. Um I wanted to ask you how you think the, the women's game has changed. Um obviously you've probably had a lot of questions about the women's world cup. It was huge this year and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people watched it and tuned in and, and really got into it. How do you think it's changed from when you first started playing to, to now? Yeah, I think I actually played in the first WSL game in 2011. So I actually played in that game and that was when we were semi-professional. So it was Chelsea against Arsenal then. Um, there wasn't that many um, fans there, semi-professional, like I said. Um, and since then, the, t- the whole game's gone professional. So the whole is professional. I think that's the main thing that's built the quality yeah I think girls been in training full time I think that's really helped um, boost the quality we've obviously brought in players from overseas and stuff like that so that's really helped domestically and then I think from the World Cup point of view the girls done really well um, that obviously built the media attention yeah. and it's now bringing that back down to the domestic level and it's getting people down to games and you went out there, didn't you, and watched a good few games. Um, what was it like when you were over there? Because on the telly, it, it, it looked like it was absolutely buzzing. Yeah, it was a massive bubble. I went to the, the England-Scotland game, which is obviously a big rival game. Um, it was incredible. The atmosphere was incredible. Um, I think the, the stadium was pretty much full as well. So that was really good. And it's just it's incredible to see that some of the girls that I've grown up with playing are actually playing on that sort of stage now. And, it's yeah, it's really good. It's really inspiring, actually. Amazing. And I watched... Um, the USA quite a lot and they they have set an unbelievable bar haven't they for women's football and like you said the athletes now women are athletes and we're finally being treated as athletes mm-hmm. not semi-pros um you're getting the funding getting the right equipment um and hopefully it should spare on you know a lot more interest in in the women's game in England yeah definitely I mean I've been saying to the media here I, I, I coach at the end 11s um, so oh, that's yeah. the thing for me and, and being a role model to them is, is showing them that they can actually be a, a professional footballer now. When I was their age, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. I wanted to be a vet, <laughs> which is yeah, never going to happen. Went, so I wasn't told that I could be a footballer when no. I was in school. I mean, I, I played a little bit. Uh, I didn't play a lot, but I would never have thought I could have been a footballer. So that's a really good point when yeah. you're coaching the, yeah, the younger yeah. girls. Um, what are they saying to you? Are they wanting to be footballers now? Are they, yeah. are they seeing the likes of yourself and, and the women's team and thinking, I, I can do that? Yeah, definitely. I think they are. I think that's that's the important thing for it. That's why I like to go down there and, and coach them and show that it's it's possible. Um, hopefully they can come to our games and get across to our games and, and see that it's, it's, it's a big thing for them now. And you've come up from Redden um, about six, seven weeks ago. What do you think of our wonderful city? Um, you've come to Liverpool, at the city, but also the football club. Um, did the the name and the source of the history of the club attract you to it as well? Or Yeah, definitely, definitely. When I came up to visit, the, I saw the city centre. Um, it's incredible where we are living. It's, it's really nice. It's 
it's beautiful um obviously been not too far from Anfield yeah. I went to my first game the other day um the first game of the season which was really incredible was it yeah. Arsenal no, the Norwich the game, Norwich game, the Norwich yeah. game um, and to hear you never walk alone, you never walk alone, you'll never walk alone. <laughs> um, to hear that was, it's just, it shows how big it is in the city and it's it's a culture up here. Yeah, it's um, a really, really big deal up here. And yeah. um, I mean, for, for everyone, for all our listeners or all our subscribers, um, it's a case of basically just saying, just get down here. It's international weekend, Sunday the 8th, two o'clock kickoff, Prenton Park. So, you know, everyone knows Prenton Park for, for Tramier, it's a great yeah. ground. Um Build up a good atmosphere for the start of the season. Yeah, I'm excited. I obviously, obviously haven't played there yet in a, in a red shirt, so excited to put that on, get out there, and yeah, hopefully that's the main thing is getting the crowd there, getting the atmosphere going, and and we'll go from there. Hopefully. Now with Leanne Robe, Leanne, I'm just I've been talking to the players and just sort of getting everyone's feelings ahead of the new season. Um, you've been here for a year already. How excited are you for the start of this season? Yeah, massively. I mean, obviously last season was my first so in the league as well as at Liverpool. So you sort of don't know what to expect. So um, this year's just added excitement. You've got that confidence. You're building on from last year, you know, what you're going into. And we've got some exciting new signings as well. So, yeah, really excited for it to start. We were just saying before, it's a new team, isn't it? And it's needed to gel. And obviously you finished eighth in the league last year. What are your sort of hopes and expectations maybe going into this season? Yeah, I mean, obviously last season was a building block for us. We're a brand new team put together, basically, and you're in a very competitive league. So we always knew that it was going to be tough to begin with. But um, coming off the back of that, we were all so close and we've been building so much. Um, so we'll just be looking to build on the back of last season. And with the new signings that we've got, um, it's really going to complement our style of play. And how have you found um, pre-season so far? So obviously uh, you went out to America with, with the men's team. Um, how was that for you? Because that was like that was the first time, wasn't it, where you got to play some competitive games over in America? Yeah. What was the feeling over there when you went yeah, there? Yeah, no, it was a great experience to be able to go out to a country like America and do that. Um, it was nice to be able to go and fly out alongside the men. Um, and it's always going to help with the team bonding. You're spending so much time together, mm. like 10 days straight. So it was good. Yeah. And like you said, it's a, it's a new team. So that's also team bonding is really important. And I saw that you all, a couple of you done commando training. Oh, yeah. We went to um, the Royal Marines a few weeks ago. <laughs> that was very testing. I mean, myself, I don't struggle. Um, go too well when I'm hungry and <laughs> I'm tired and Same. it was a mixture of both but to be fair by the end of it when I got home had a shower had some good food I was like actually that was quite cool <laughs> and did you feel like it sort of I don't know helped you prepare for maybe the start of the season your pre-season yeah was it a good little activity yeah I mean it's the it's it's all the hidden stuff behind it, like the resilience, the team bonding, like sticking with each other, encouraging each other. It's all the team morale stuff sort of that you build into the season. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a good experience. And you've got um, Redden coming up. Redden's the first game of the season, um, Sunday the 8th, 2 o'clock. Um, how excited are you for that? Because um, I, I know as a fan, when I'm waiting for the season to start, I'm like really edgy and, and you want that first game to be, you know, you want to get off the mark straight away, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Honestly, it's so excited. We just wanted to hurry up and come around. But it's less than two weeks now, so it's not too far away. But yeah, we're really looking to build on last year. Like we're so determined um, to have an amazing season and be competing high up the league. And I do think with, like I say, it being our second season together and with the new se- signings that we will be doing that. So it adds to that excitement of going into the season because we will be a new team. And um, 
I've just been asking a couple of the girls about the, the Women's World Cup and I'm just wondering, you know, like when you go to the grounds, um, I see all the time that, you know, you take pictures and stuff with like the young girls. Um, Becky's a coach for the younger girls. Yeah. How do you think that they're, you know, what what are they thinking about the women's game? Like when you're speaking to these young girls there, do they, do they look to you and think, I can be a footballer and yeah. I want to be a footballer? Yeah, definitely. Do you know what? It is so satisfying to see that because when we was little girls, we didn't have that. Like it wasn't such thing to have a career in football. We just loved it. So we was doing it. But it is now, like I say, so satisfying to be able to have the pitch with the little girls and they're coming to the games and they say, I want to be like you when I grow up. And it is, it is just so nice they've actually got that opportunity and they can say that and they can also do it. Hopefully. It is a lovely thing. And, you know, the season tickets are 70 quid for a family of four, adults 35 quid, kids 25. Um, so for anyone who's watching who might be thinking about it, it's just get yourself down there and enjoy a good game of football and, and bring your family and encourage people to keep watching women's football. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, they can get a good deal on the tickets and it's a nice environment to be in. We've got the diehard Liverpool fans <laughs> that are always there. We're they always there somewhere. They don't stop singing either. <laughs> and like I say, the players have always got time um, for the fans afterwards, so that's nice as well. I guess when like the young ones the little girls get to meet the players it makes it more real for them that I oh, can can do this so we'll always take the time out as well great stuff there uh, with Liverpool women um, if you want to go and um, go to the match 2pm Prenton Park on September the 8th at liverpoolfc.com uh, to get the tickets get them available there uh, it is 2pm uh, at Prenton Park it is September the 8th it is the Sunday after the international break and Andy, there's a there's a real desire to get people down. There's a real desire to get people involved, and it's great for families. I'm taking Francesca. Go yeah, taking a little girl. Um, definitely. Thought about it the other day, but we're definitely going to go down because she's talking about wanting to go the football, go with the match now, and um, just with previous experience with other mates and, and their kids, where the idea is great, and then you get them inside Anfield, and it's a little bit loud, it's a little bit on top, and everyone's standing, and it can be intimidating. Whereas the whole setup they've got with Liverpool ladies this season, talking to the staff and the players there early in the week, they really want they're really big on this, getting the kids and the families in. Even if it's a gateway to whether it's a gateway to watching the ladies at the Liverpool women, sorry, every week, or just to, just to get them in and get them into the field. But one thing they, they are they are stressing as well, and I mean I still get starstruck by anyone who pulls, pulls a Liverpool shirt on, no matter whether it's reserves, <laughs> under sixteens, under nines, under sevens. And if you get down there, they will spend time with the fans after the game. Yeah. They, will, they are going to make an effort. Um, and they're the, the, the keen to make it uh, as much as a, a sense of a family club. As, as much as we all talk about clopping the togetherness, that's filtered right down to the, to the women's team now. And they're keen to show that. So, yeah, Sunday, you've got, if you're, not, even, not even if you have a loose end, if you're considering doing something on that Sunday... You know, and Prenton Park, Prenton Park's really easy to get to, really it's not, accessible. It's not far away. This is a general point about the Wirral Peninsula. And uh, Tramere as well, by the way, if Tramere ever playing, it's the same thing. It's yeah. dead easy to get to. It's it a really is. club. It, it really is. Uh, yeah, you can shoot across the Wirral in absolutely no time at all. Um, it, you are cl- but it is easier to get from Bebbington to town than it is to get from Whiston to town. Listen, if I um, can get there. Yeah, there, anyone can. Uh, that's the way in which it works. Do get down if you can. It would be fantastic to do so. We're going to chat about Liverpool going to Burnley now. And uh, Dan Morgan, let's be absolutely clear about this. There is no point in Liverpool us talking about our high-pressing game, uh, us looking to win it back inside final thirds or anything like that. Burnley will just get the ball forward, even if that means getting it out. They've been even more in the three games they've had so far this season. I had a look at some stats stuff. No one is winning the ball back against Burnley in their final third because Burnley do not play any football whatsoever in their final thirds. The normal Liverpool approach will not apply. Yeah, put it out the window in this game. It's... um... 
this game feels like a marker for Klopp, Burnley away. You remember he said to you guys when you interviewed him that it was his game in 17, 18 and you feel like it's almost one that he looks at the when the, the fixtures come out straight away, he looks at, you know, obviously the big six, but I think Burnley away is one that he's looking at straight after that in terms of when do I have to negotiate that? When do I have to go through that again? And I think that you're right. I think that what Liverpool have learned to do at Burnley in the last couple of years is is kill them a different way by pressing them back in terms of territory. I think last year we were really smart in that second half where we just decided, all right, we'll shoot from 20 yards. What are you going to do about that? And we scored. You know, we, we equalised through doing that. And it became a case that we're not trying to score the perfect goal against Burnley. We're not trying to create the 8 out of 10 chance. But we'll push you back into submission to a point where we will score our goal and the goal that presents itself. And you've got to kind of just adapt to what Burnley is. And I think it's massive that Liverpool, A, get in at half-time, so they can be very good at half-time, which they generally are. Um, but also, they find a way to beat Burnley on their terms. It's a credit to Burnley Ranhill that it's almost its own obstacle course. That it's almost like this own thing <laughs> yeah. that's a little bit different to everything else that you have to do. You know, it's it's it it shows that they've they've got their way of doing things and that they're very very good at it. It's obviously a way of doing things with a ceiling, with a limit in terms of what it can achieve. But they have their way of doing things, and everyone has to adapt to them, not the other way around. Which is great. I mean, it gives some color to the game. You just have to be prepared and. Barnes is in form and Wood, you know, with his height, he can be a danger. So they can score against us. Um, and also a little bit of a worry from the Arsenal game. You might have talked about this already on, on a former podcast, I'm sure. But did you notice how Van Dijk hardly ever passed back to Adrian? Yeah. Yeah, they don't trust him, do they? So there is this sort of iffy kind of insecureness that we haven't had in our back four with Adrian. And... That can create some dangerous um, uh, situations like it did against Arsenal, you know, when Adrian cleared straight to them. Um, so you've got that danger as well. We don't have Alisson back there to secure sort of that confident back four situation. I think, I think I'd, I'll defend them slightly. You're right. It's that, it was statistically, we looked at it on the review. I think there was 10 passes less from Southampton to the keeper. So I think it was 16 and 6. But I think a lot of that's them seeing a potential issue and looking after the player. And I think they've got really good at that. I think if someone's having a bad 10 minutes or they're not quite sure of someone in, in a certain attribute, they'll just try and keep it away from them or stop them from doing that. And I think they've got the mind to do that on the pitch. I think that's a way in which they, they look after each other, I think, more than anything. There is the, the other factor in this. I don't know whether it's just my eyes or whether anyone else noticed it. I don't think it's so much that Adrian isn't too bad getting the ball to feet. Look, I think it's nerves. I think he's had a couple of bricks, but I think he's one of the better keepers with his feet. I just don't think he's got the length that Allison's got. I just don't think he's got the length. If you if you look at the distance on the clearances, so then that cuts cuts your options down when you give it back because we we all know opposition scout. Everyone scouts each other, so they'll know if the ball comes back to Allison, he can go ten yards that way, or he can go sixty seventy that way. Where it is if the furthest you can hit is the halfway line. Then immediately when it comes back to the keeper, you just you you know where you can you can just push up. Everyone shouts go twenty yards. Yeah, go go up twenty and you can't ping it behind because the big risk with Allison is that if you push up, you can throw one right over the over your fullbacks into the channels and you, and then you've had it. So I think it's as much as that as the, the actual risk of creating an issue in the in the area. I thought it might just be me. It's just no, no me. yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Burnley do with that then, because I think they'll be all about second balls. Yeah, they will. They will be all about second balls. We always end up talking about them, Paul. Like. 
about the scrap, about the way they defend, about where they'll pull the line, about all of that sort of stuff. But just just to run you through it, since they came back up uh, after going down in the uh, in, in 2015, 2015, 16, they came back up from the championship. Since then, they played Liverpool. They won the first one 2 0. Liverpool won the next one 2 1. Uh, following season, the first game was at home. It was a one all draw. Uh, then we went to Burnley's Gaff 1 2 1, the game that Dan cited earlier on. Last season, we went there, we won 3 1. Uh, they came back to Anfield, we won 4 2. My point about all of these is they've scored in every single one of those games since they've come back up. We talk about, we talk about you know, the pitch, the, the aggression, the fact that they'll turn it into little one on one contests. What you actually miss there is. Well, you know, I, I suspect if we looked at that length of time at Liverpool, opponents against Liverpool, I don't know if anyone else would score in every single game against us. No, I think I think the nature of them and Napoli, are, I think, are a similar thing. Is that they, they suit play, they like playing, or they don't maybe not like playing us, but the, the, we find it difficult to play against them by the nature of the way they play. Um, so I think that's the, the first thing. They're very cute in the, the things they do. They, they make use of what they've got really well. I've got a mate who's a, a Burnley fan, and you know. Whereas teams like Stoke and West Brom and teams like that have come up and they've had a certain way of playing, but then the fans sort of seem to get bored of it and and, and they want something more. Burnley fans seem to be quite comfortable with the way they play. And I, I do think it's probably a more exciting way of playing than the teams I've mentioned. But they, they seem quite comfortable with being Burnley and, and being that, that awkward team. They're always really prepared, although... Whether Dice has had time because he's been in the mosh well, pit. Just, with, uh... He's been in the mosh pit, but also <laughs> the, the other thing, Paul, is is this is the first time, and it must be so rare for a, for a side to go in with more prep time than Burnley because they've had the EFL game. Now I know he made ten changes, and he'll probably make. I think he'll make eleven changes coming back. I don't think he'll start McNeil if he gave McNeil the full run in that one. I think I think he might have had an eye on the idea he might play Hendrick, uh, but. My point here, my wider point is, normally when we go to Burnley, we're in the midst of playing Champions League games or anything like that. We it's, it's not just the idea that we've had the same amount of prep time as Burnley. For once, we've actually had more. We've had the full week and they haven't. And you saw the difference that last week, didn't you? The, the, the preparation time. So I think I think that's massive. I believe Post, Post Malone's playing left wing for them instead of, uh, is it Billy O'Neill? Uh, but I think, um, I think the nature of, of the way Klopp likes to prepare a team is that that that's always going to benefit us. So, although rhythm's important, I think that week he, he likes having that time on the training ground. So I think that's massive. It's about time on the training ground, but just from a physical fitness angle as well, uh, we know how much that uh, Burnley put into there. And as much as you say, oh, we played, he made ten changes, but they can't think about the Liverpool game until after. Exactly. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Cup game. You can't even start to focus on that or think about that. He can't do team meetings. He can't do. He can't do tactical specific stuff because he's got to respect those players playing in that game. That's the thing I always say. It's the same for us when we get it. We can't just go. Oh, you just write that game off. You've got to take it seriously for the lads who you're putting on the pitch. It's not fair if you don't. No, absolutely. And I, you know, I think if physically we can match them, we'll be fine. I, I, it goes back to the whole Ferguson thing. I, I think we just we're just better than them. To be honest, I think a couple of years ago, well, I don't think I keep saying a thing. I don't know why I keep saying a thing. I think um, my Jurgen Klopp referenced it about two or three seasons ago, where, where he said uh, that Liverpool. What one of his big frustrations is that Liverpool have got to play really well to win, and if Liverpool play really well, they normally win. But if they don't play really well, they don't tend to win. I think that's gone. If anything's been proven over the last eighteen months, that's gone out the window. That's not to say I don't think Liverpool can't be hundred percent. But whereas two years ago Burnley away would terrify the life out of me. Now I'm thinking, well, if we're even at it, we'll be absolutely fine. Um, I just think we've got it in us to do it. I think it's, I actually think it could be one of those where, you know, you'd expect Burnley to think, oh, trigger a tough 2 1, 2 1 win, it's going to be clinging on. I think we're ready to give someone absolute pace, and I think this could be the one. 
They were in my hotel on, in Portugal. You said, I wasn't going to bring that up because I didn't know whether he wanted to share uh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, I will. I'll, I'll, they were great. They were absolutely sound. We, was, we, Dice, was Dice as Dice as you'd expect Dice to be? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go and talk to him. I didn't go and talk to anyone, but we just sort of stayed in the periphery because I didn't want to sort of have the conversation because it all feels a little bit awkward and a bit weird. Did but they were just sound. They were just, <laughs> they were just sound, honestly. Like, they were, you'd have thought, because it was just, they were just in a, it was a nice enough hotel, but they were just in and they were going away during the day to go and do, uh, go and do into the intense physical work. And one day in particular, they came back and Daesh has absolutely done them into the ground. They went from looking like unbelievably healthy, well-built young men knocking around the pool to shells of men when they came back after Daesh had battered them. Uh, but they were absolutely, honestly, they were so nice and they were so nice to everyone. And it was, you can imagine that a few of the people in there, certainly the more golf crew might have been a bit like, oh no, it's a Premier League football team. What's going to happen now? And they were absolutely brilliant. They were just great with everyone, chatted to everyone, just began to let on to you like you do to people on holiday. All right, mate. All right, mate. Uh, you'd sort of say to Jack, Cork walking along, um, yeah. So I, we, we've got a bit of an affinity for Burnley now and ours. I've always liked them anyway, but yeah. Can I just say the holiday let on is my idea of hell. Well, no, but not not have a conversation. I'm like, oh, I'm like the most miserable bastard oh, in the world. Yeah. I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I'm with when you. It's actually Barnes, lads. You know, what I mean? <laughs> no, <laughs> even more so. I, um, I, I, I actually sneer. Anyway. Uh, it's only a bit honeymoon sort of story aside, but that's not fair, is it? It's, me and uh, me and Brockle have started to have, have a chat about how the lads got on at the weekend. How the lads get on? <laughs> uh, how are the lads? They all all right? So really looking forward to going to watch them uh, in person in the flesh. First time I've seen them since July in Portugal. Um, Do you reckon they recognise you? Uh, I'd, I'd like to think <laughs> so. Is that the fella? Uh, we just just listened to as they were having. Oh yeah, it, it was the week storage. The storage dog incident happened, oh, and God. they were all on that. Uh, they were all on the storage dog incident. Uh, there, there was a big exchange of views about it around the pool. Uh, Paul, give us a give us a prediction. Three one, Liverpool. Three one, Manhild. I think I'll go with a two one win. Two one win, Dan. I think we'll win two one. Um, I'm oddly worried about Goodmanson. Rightly so, uh, rightly so. Got, he's got terrific delivery. Uh, Andy? 4-0. 4-0, wow, Andy goes big. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the show this week. Hope you've enjoyed it. Do tell your friends. It's going on. It is the Amfield Rap Weekend, and it is everything that you need. Sports Social Podcast Network.